Thank, thank you. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. It's always nice to be here. It, um, you know, I, for, for me, it's, it's just, it's a joy and, and a privilege um, to have the opportunity to, to break bread and to share God's word uh, with you guys. You know, when I think about my, myself, and it's not about me, you know, I'm not trying to make it about me, but when I think about where, where I've come from, to having the opportunity to, to really do the, you know, to, to be entrusted by, by a God, the God of the universe, to um, proclaim the most sacred message and, and most holy message, um, which is, you know, his, his word. It's It's humbling. To realize that that God would use, um, you know, such fragile people, people who uh, are not adequate, you know, we're 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 not smart enough. I mean, you guys may think so, but really, you're not. You know, we're we're not that smart. You know, compared to the the Creator of the universe, um, but yet He would He would trust us. I mean, look at you. I mean, look at us. You know what I'm saying? Look at us. Really. I mean that he would he would trust us to tell folks about life and life more abundantly, how they can be free from shame and guilt and sin, and how they could be made brand new creations in Christ Jesus, and how you know that old stuff, that old garbage, that junk that we tend to you know have that that we can be made brand new. And so I'm I'm so thankful for that. You know, growing up in the south end of Seattle. Um, and uh, a family, just a small family, family of 10. And, um, you know, I was the second to the youngest. <clears throat> um, but to see how God could, could reach down and, and could save a soul like me. My mom, she, uh, she had her first child, I think it was at 14. And, um, yeah, I guess it was legal back then. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know. Um, and she finished school at um, 16. And my dad went into the service, um, and with all of us kids, and yet somehow with a mother who wasn't the most educated, according to the, some standards, I think she was very educated. She knew how to use that rod quite well. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, to, um, to, to not come from a, you know, the most favorable situation, um, you know, grew up in the streets, uh, you know, hustling and try, just trying to survive, you know, and, and uh, had two older brothers who were, uh, you know, they were, they were good, but they were hard, too. You know, we, um, I remember one time, I'm just kind of rambling, is that okay for just a moment? Anyways, I remember there's, um, there's a guy, I think I told some of you guys about the guy named Bubba. Bubba kicked me in the stomach, and I ran home. And my two older brothers told me, nope, that's not happening here because you bear the name Jackson, so let's go back, go get Bubba, and we had to fight. And so I could remember Bubba. He was um, he's like a big, big old kid, you know, snotty nose, but he was like 16, seemed like he was 16 then. He's probably eight, but um, he was just a lot bigger than us. And so I could remember, you know, us, us grappling, and all I knew was to grab him by the neck, and I held him by the neck, and I held on. I held on and, you know, for dear life, and then Bubba quit. He gave up. And then from that day forward, uh, 
Bubba was no longer the bully. I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, what I'm trying to say is, you know, just growing up in this type of environment, situation, how God was able to, to rescue someone like, like me, surrounded by drugs and gangs and all kinds of stuff, but how he was able to, to reach down and rescue someone like, like me and to allow me the opportunity to talk about him. This is the greatest job in the whole world. You know, I mean, obviously having the opportunity to go and play sports and football and all that, but there's, there's no greater score than to be able to tell someone about Jesus and see them to uh, get saved. And so I just, I, I'm just, every day, you know, every, every morning I, I think about coming to church and, and it's like, really, me, God, <laughs> pastor, who, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, um, you know, my wife, when, when we took on this, this job of being a pastor, she said, you should do it. And I said, no, I'm not doing that because it, it, you have to be with people, you know, and, and, and people, we are people, you know, you, you know yourself. And so I have to deal with, with y'all. And so anyways, you know, how God could, he could give me the grace, the mercy, the strength, and the opportunity to, to do what we're doing. And so we thank God. So I don't take, what I'm saying is I don't take it for granted. I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach God's word. And this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into God's word. Uh, you may not like the message. It's not a message that is going to tickle your ears or make you feel good, but it's God's word. And my hope is that God's word will change us and challenge us and draw him close to him. You know, God has a purpose in everything that he does. Do you guys realize that? That it's not a mistake, nor is it an accident that we're here this morning. That this is all by design. You know, even though you may have thought that you were going to wake up this morning and go to church there was something inside you that was stirring, that was brewing, that said, this morning, you need to be at church. And so I believe the reason why you're here is it's not by mistake, nor is it an accident. But I believe you're here because God has something that he wants to speak to each and every one of you. And I pray this morning that what comes from the scriptures will be a timely word, that it'll be a word that will strengthen, that will challenge, that will draw you close to him. We've been in the book of James, and, and I'm going to continue in James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. And let me just read, because the Bible says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. He says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life or what, what your life will be? For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. He says, all such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not to do it. It is a sin to know the good that you should do and yet not do it. James begins a new section in chapter 4, but he's still addressing the same theme of humility. And the truth that our faith in Christ, it all 
ways judges our pride, and it judges what? It judges our humility before him. James had already hit on the need for humility in order to resolve conflicts and be in harmonious relationships in James chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. Now he turns again to the same subject, to the subject of humility. But he's focusing on humility as it relates to the future, how we view life ahead. And what he's doing is he is confronting an arrogant spirit, a spirit that had obviously entered into the church, into the house of God, that thought that man could do things all by themselves, all on their own. That he's confronting a spirit that is in the church, a spirit of worldliness, of relying on man's own ability and man's own intellect and, and who man thinks he is, instead of relying on the things of God. And he's addressing the issue of being boastful and being proud. Now in this section, James continues and he hits it straight on again, the issue of arrogance. I'm glad we don't have any arrogant people in here this morning. We are all so humble and love God and realize that we are just absolutely nothing. But James is confronting the church of the living God with their attitude of being arrogant. People who have been saved and people who have called upon the name of Jesus. People who said that I'll follow you wherever you lead. People who said it's all about you God and it's not about me. But yet that spirit was still in the church and James had to address it right on. And he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit or in other words, and make money. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He says, what what is your life? Or what will your life be? He says, for you are like what? He says, a vapor. He says, you're you're like a vapor. You appear for a little while and then, poof, you're gone. We make plans. He's speaking to those who were planning to do business and make a profit. He's speaking to those who first said tomorrow or or they, they plan their own time. And secondly, speaking to those who say that we'll go to such and such place, they, they plan their own location. He's speaking to people who, who are planning their own way, their own lifestyle. They say we will go for a year. They plan their own timetable, how long they're going to be at a certain location. He speaks to people who plan their own operation that we're going to go and we're going to do business. It's fascinating because if we look at this portion of Scripture, you see that the issue here is not in what's being said. Matter of fact, planning is good. Every one of us in here, we should plan. Some of us have five-year plans and ten-year plans and two-year plans and a week plan. Planning is good. The issue is not in what's being said. 
But the issue is this. The issue is in what's not being said. Because what is not being said reveals the problem. And the problem is this. That man is making all these plans, their own agendas, their own programs, but they never ever as Christians, as believers, as those who are called by his name, they never include God in his plan. That's the problem. There's no mention of God in this portion of scripture. There is no thought about God in this portion of scripture. There is no place for God in their program and in their agenda in this portion of scripture. This is man who runs his own life. This is the woman who runs her own life. This is the person who thinks that they're in control of their own destiny. This is the person who knows it all. Foolish is what James is saying. He's calling them arrogant. Ignoring the sovereign, the creator of the universe, the one who placed the stars in the heaven, ignoring him and leaving him out of their program in their plan. James says that this is ignorance. I love how Isaiah says it. Isaiah says it in Isaiah 40, 22, 23. As he's talking about God, he says, do you not know? He says, have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the foundation of the earth? He says, he, God himself, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. This is the God who we serve the God who we worship, that he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He says, its dwellers are like grasshoppers. All of us, in the eyes of God, we are like grasshoppers in God's eyes. He stretches out the heavens like curtains, and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings the princes to nothing, and he makes God himself, he makes the judges of the earth meaningless. He says, so you're planning without God but do you really understand who God is do you really know who God is do you understand that he's the one who can give life and he's the one who can also take life Luke says it like this matter of fact he gives a parable in Luke chapter 12 verse 16 through 21 he says the ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty and he thought within himself saying What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? What shall I do? So he said, I will do this. This is what he's saying. He says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But now God speaks. God begins to speak to this arrogant man who thinks that he is doing this all on his own. God says to him, he calls him a fool. He says, you, you fool. How can you make your plans and, and, and leave me out of the picture? He says, that's foolish. He says, because you don't know this, that this night your soul will be required of you. He says, this very night you've made all your plans. But what you don't know is that this night your soul 
will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So it is with the person who lays up treasures for himself and who is not rich in God. God calls him a fool. The Bible says this. It says you and I. It says we may make plans. All of us in here, we, we make plans. I mean, you planned on getting here this morning and coming to church. Hopefully you prayed and you asked God to lead you this morning. But all of us make plans. But the Bible says this. But God himself, in all of our planning, but God himself, in everything that we plan on doing, but God himself, Proverbs 16.1 says, has the last word. God has the last word. Matter of fact, all of us, we make plans. All of us. Everyone sitting in this room. We make plans on, on what we're going to do and what direction we're going to do. But the Bible says this. But God is the one who directs your actions. Proverbs 16.9. Many other plans that are formed in our minds. All of us, we have thoughts and dreams and visions and desires and all kinds of things that are formed in our mind. But the Bible says this. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It's his purpose. It's not our plan. We need to line our plan up with his plan in order for them to be successful. Matter of fact, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you, you do not know what that day will bring. Making plans for the future, vacations and holidays, I'm all for that, by the way. You know, trips, having fun. Matter of fact, I'm making plans for my family to come on the 4th of July. But guess what? With all my family members coming, I have prayed and sought the will of God. <laughs> we make plans, but God is the one who knows what tomorrow will bring. He says this, for what is your life? For what, what is your life? All of us sitting in here, we are living by grace, through faith. It's a gift from God. You know, God is the one who has taken man and formed him from the dust of the earth. And he breathed into him what? The breath of life. It is God who breathed into us life for a purpose. That we would bring glory and that we would bring honor to him. God is the one who is in control of all things. But the Bible says this, that you and I, our life is like a vapor. It's like a vapor. I mean, we're here today. And then we're gone tomorrow. You know, I think about some of the friends that I grew up with. And I'm sure you can do the same thing. How when we were just little kids, you know, running around and playing and having all kinds of fun. Thinking that life would just last forever. You know, I can remember going down to the Stan Sayers pit over in Seattle and watching the hydroplane boats race. I remember those days. And some of you guys do too. I can remember going to, you know, the, the seafair and all kinds of things. I mean, just having all kinds of fun. I remember, it seems like it was just yesterday. But now that I'm getting older, you know, things happen. I mean, we are here today, but we're gone tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. That's what James is saying. That we should make good use with what God has given us. That we should use this life to bring glory and honor to his name. 
That we should lift up the name of Jesus and bring glory and honor to his name. Why? Because life is but a vapor. That we should cherish the moments with friends and relatives and with family. That we should love one another as Christ has loved us. That we should exalt his name and praise the name of Jesus while we still have light. Why? Because life is but a vapor. That we should enjoy time with family and friends and all those types of things. That we don't have time to be arrogant and mad and angry. Why? Because life is but a vapor. That's what James is saying. He says, so who are you to be arrogant and proud and boastful? Even if you acquire all the stuff on the earth, in the end, it will perish. Why? Because life itself, it's but a vapor. So James said, instead of saying, you're going to make all these plans and you're going to do this and that, what you should be saying this, if the Lord wills. That's what we should be saying, if the Lord wills. We will live and we will do this. If the Lord wills, then I'll do this and I'll do that. You see, nothing happens in this world outside of the will of the Almighty God. No child that is ever born is a mistake. Okay, that is God's will. Nothing happens outside the will of God. Not one breath that you and I take It's not outside the will of God. Not one cent that you and I make and spend. Guess what? It's not outside the will of God. Nothing happens outside of the will of God. As a matter of fact, you and I, according to Acts 17, 28, for it is in him who we're talking about Christ. For it is in him that you and I, that we live and we move and we have our being. It's all by his grace. Jesus says this in John 5.30. He says that I can do nothing. Wait a second. Wasn't Jesus, I mean, the second person in the Trinity? Wasn't he God in the flesh? Of course he is. But Jesus said this. He says, I can do nothing by myself. He says, I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own desires or my own gratification or my own platform. But what he seeks is he seeks to do the will of God. Am I making sense this morning? He says, I seek to do the will of the one who sent me. Matter of fact, Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, You know, there's going to be a lot of people on on that day who are going to say, Lord, Lord, but don't I know you? Didn't, Didn't you know me? Didn't you remember me? But he says, not everyone on that day who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. Not everyone who goes to church is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says Jesus is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, but the one who does what? Who does the will of my Father. It's the one who's obeying him. It's the one who's living according to his standard. He says, this is the one who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
I love it because Jesus taught us how to pray. He says this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And then what does he say? Thy will be done. It's all about the will of the Father being done. It's all about his plan. It's all about his program. And it's all about us getting in alignment with him so that we can do the will of the Father. You see, when we look at the model of Christ and how he did the will of God, we see a heart what? We see a heart of humility. He was a humble servant. We see a heart who was submissive or submitted not to his own agenda or his own program or his own desires, but one who was submitted to the will of the Father. We see him as obedient, obedient even to the death on the cross. We see a heart of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but should have everlasting life. We see a heart who was in relationship a heart that was in relationship with his father for he only did what he saw the father do you see if there is not no humility in the heart of God's people or in people to do the will of God then guess what then there is a mark of rebellion rebellion and arrogance and pride against the things of God himself. It's fascinating because everything that you and I need to know about the will of God, everything that we need to know. Now, obviously, some things God's not going to tell you, I want you to marry this lady who's got brown hair. But no, everything that we need to know about pleasing God, we can find in this book. Hello? I'm not just preaching to myself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You can find it right here. It's right here. Love thy wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. That's the will of God. Where do you find it? You find it right here. Go out into all the world. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I promise I'll be with you. How do I know that? That's God's will. Guess what? It's right here in this book. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, we can know the will of God by just opening up this book and reading it ourselves. You can know God's will for your life. All you have to do is open this book up and read it. And this book right here, will tell you the will of God. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to forgive people? (laughs) How do I know that? Well, let me see. God's word says to do it. That's his will. That's his will, that I forgive people. Serve? What the heck? What, What do you mean serve? Where do you find that at? Well, let me give you chapter and verse, because that's God's will. And use my gifts in the church? And fan them into flame? What? Really? How do you know that, Pastor? Well, it's right in this book. It's called The Will of God. What do you mean? What do you mean? I 
I, I can't just go home and just, you know, have my own little private church service, you know, with my TV and, and my computer. Well, I don't find that here in the Bible, but what I do find is not to forsake the gathering of believers together. That's what I find. How do I know that's the will of God? Because it is written right here. That is the will of God. Everything we need to know is found here in this book. It's called God's will for you and me. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 143, verse 10. He says, teach me what? To do thy will, for thou art my God. Is he your God this morning? Is he your savior? Is he your redeemer? Is he your king? Then guess what? If he is your savior and your redeemer, then you will do the will of God. You see, however God wants to teach me to do his will, it's not my will, but it's thy will be done. If God wants to take me through muck and mire to learn how to be obedient to him, then guess what? Thy will be done. If God wants to place me in a position where people hate me and despise me and they don't want to have anything to do with me so that I'll be sanctified and holy and made obedient to him, then God's will be done. I said, wherever God leads me, guess what? I will follow. I didn't say, God, you follow me so that my will will be done. I said, God, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will be done. And I love how James, he continues to go on in this portion of scripture. He says, but as it is, you boast. He says, you boast in your arrogance. He says, in all such boasting. He says, it's evil. He says, all such boasting is evil. Instead of submitting to the Lord, these people are conceited. They are arrogant. They're boasting. You know, I think about boasting because I, I used to be a, a boastful person. And, um, you know, playing sports, you, you, there's a level of arrogance that comes with the territory. Because you want to demolish and you want to, you want to kill your, enemy, your, 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 your enemies. I mean, everyone across on the field is your enemy. So whatever you, tactic you have or you want to use, guess what? You're going to use it. And so we would boast. We would boast all the time. You know, guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage, we would talk about their mamas. Oh, yeah, we would. We would talk about all kinds of things. We would tell them how, how they are absolutely pre-Christian days. Okay, let's, 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 let's contextualize this. This is before we were Christians, but boasting. We would tell them all kinds of things that were not good. Why? Because we wanted to squash and we wanted to crush the enemy. Boasting itself is evil unless we boast in the things of God. Isn't that what Paul says? Unless we boast in the things of God. I mean, talking about how much money I have. You know, my education, you know, look at all my accomplishments and my jobs and those types of things. It's just bringing credit to myself. James says that all such boasting is evil. Why? Because at the root of boasting is the sinful nature. And it's a nature that wants to sit on top 
and put God below. That's why boasting is arrogant. That's why boasting is wrong. Because we are dethroning God and we are elevating ourselves to a platform that we should never have. So James tells us that it is not good to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. That when we know to do the right thing and we don't know it, he says it is sin. He says it's sin if you know to do the right thing and you don't, know, you don't do the right thing. The wrong, if, he says it's sin if you know to do the right thing and you do the wrong thing. Example. Love thy neighbor as thyself. But we don't. James says that's sin. In other words, it's the sin of omission. When you know to do good and you don't. James says that that's sin. To love thy neighbor and not do good. James says that that is sin. To love the church and yet talk about it and gossip about it. We know that's wrong. James says that is the sin of omission. To meet together in the body of Christ, but yet we don't. That is the sin of omission. To be his ambassadors, and yet we don't do it. That is the sin of omission. James says the things that we know to do that are right, and we don't do it. He says those things are sin. All of us know the right thing to do. But yet when we don't do it, guess what? It's called the sin of omission. So we must remember when we make plans not to leave God out of our plans. Whenever we make plans, you and I should never leave God out of our plans. And let us not be arrogant and thinking that we're all that, that we're in control of our lives because I got news for you. You're not, and you never have been. We are all vapors. We are here for a moment to serve God while we can, and then eventually this life will be over, this life on earth. But we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll all have to give an account for how we lived this life here on earth. And let us also be humble and obey God and always be people who will do good to others because if we don't, it's called the sin of omission. Do you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share your word. And, and we look at the instructions that James, that he was giving to, to the church. They were Christians. They were believers. And how they were, they were arrogant. That they, they put themselves first instead of putting God first. They planned their own programs They did things their own way. They set their own timetables. But yet it was without God. Instead of seeking your will, they sought their own will. And James addresses that. And he tells them this. 
that to seek ye first the kingdom of God, to seek God's will, God's program, and not to put their lives ahead of God's, but to seek to do the will of God. Instead of saying, we will do this or that, James challenges them and says, let us say if the Lord wills. Lord, I pray that would be our, our heart's desire. That in all of our plans and our desires and our dreams and how we want you to bless our plan when really we should say, Lord, what is your will? What's your will, Lord? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? What job would you have me to take? Thy will, Lord. Everything that we say, thy will, that it pleases him and brings glory and honor to his name. And Lord, all of us in here, we're all guilty at some stage or another of knowing that we should be doing good to others or someone, but yet we withhold. And James says that that's not right. He says that's sin. He calls it the sin of omission, of knowing the good that we should be doing, but yet we don't do it. It could be as simple as giving someone a cup of water, but yet we don't do it. It could be as simple as sharing a kind word of encouragement and of love, but yet we don't do it. It could be our neighbor who is without Christ and you've laid it on our hearts to go and share your testimony with him, but yet we don't do it. That's called omission, the sin of omission. And Lord, I pray this morning that we won't just be hearers of this word. As James has already stated, let us be doers, doers of the word. Let us do the will of God. And we don't need any more instructions. We have all we need. We have your word. What we simply need to do is obey it and do the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for this time, for this message. In Jesus' name.